Amen. Good morning. Are you well? I've had a dreadful week. Shocking. Okay. I, we had two parents' evenings, okay? Late parents' evenings. They're bad in themselves, okay? But then I had two observations on Tuesday. So I was sat on the head in there watching stuff. And next thing I know, she, she rushes off and somebody went, we got the call. I was like, oh no. So then we had Ofsted in uh, on, thir- on Wednesday, Thursday, which was, a, I was like, oh, please stop it. You're having a laugh, aren't you? And all this week, I've heard the word hope. I hope it goes well. Uh, I hope they don't come in my class. That was a key one that everyone was saying. I have to say, I had a little confession that I, I shared in the first service. Um, in all my years as a teacher, and when I was a vicar, it was quite nice because I didn't have to do this parents' evening. But in all my years of a teacher, I always have pictures beside me so I know who the parents are and who the child is. And um, I, was, I was sat, and the head came in and went, Pat, you need to find six English books that show progress and six math books that find, show progress. Quick, can you run off and get them? And I was like, oh, I've got, got parents here. So I rushed off, and I came herring back down. And so I was all in a bit of a fluster. And I sat down and was like, oh, right, okay. This parent was sat in front of me with a child. And I went, right, so your, your child's doing quite well in maths. They need to look at number bonds. And I got all this data out. And I was showing this data, going, you can see here, he's not doing very well here. And, and the parent sat there going. And the, the kid was like. And then I looked at the book that was sat beside me, and it was English. And I went, I don't teach him for maths, do I? And the parent went, no. It's <laughs> like, no. I said, look, I don't know whose data I've just shown you, but they're doing quite well. <laughs> I was like, no. But it's all about hope, isn't it? It's, that's, we hear that so often in our world, hope, hope, hope. Um, in 1927, there was a, uh, a submarine in America, and it hit a Coast Guard vessel and sank and was in 34 meters of water. And they sent the, uh, some of the crew managed to get to a part of the submarine that was secure. And they sent some US divers down to try and rescue the people in the submarine. And they tried, and then the wind started coming in. And so the divers had to make a decision of, of going one last time to see if they could rescue these people. And one of the divers said, as he got over to the submarine, he heard on the, on the outer casing some banging. And he realized it was Morse code. And so as the divers with their, with their um, underwater kind of pallets were, were kind of writing it down, they realized that the message that was being tapped out was, is there any hope? And I think our world needs that, because that's what the world's saying, isn't it? Is there any hope? You know, we hear that so often in the world. You know, and, and in our world, we see people that are, that are broken, that are, that are looking for hope in psychics. And they're looking for hope in the lottery. And they're looking for hope in anything else other than Jesus. You know, this, this last few weeks, I've, I've, the school um, said to me, we, we have a syndicate for the lottery. I was like, oh, yeah. And they said, uh, would you like to join? And I said, no, no, I, I'm, I'm not into that. That's not where I put my hope. But if you do win, I you don't know, mind a bit. <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, you know, we do it, it's £10, and, and that's all, and it would be great, and can you imagine if we won? I said, yeah, but it's not where I hang my hope. 
My hope's in Jesus. And it was great to be able to kind of just witness and say to them, do you know, actually for me, that's not where I cement my, my foundations. I don't put them in, in a lottery ticket. And I think that, that our world is crying out for hope. There's this um, psychiatrist called Carl Menninger who says that animals die if they don't have hope. Even animals die. And David Aikman says, hope is the heart's deepest longing. And I believe that, that you and I live in a world that, that's crying out for hope. But I believe you and I have a hope. Scripture, one of my favorite scriptures of all time is Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, when you, when you just take that for a second and just think about the, the, the impact of that, it's not saying Christ beside me or Christ, Christ across the road. No, Christ in me. He's living in me. And he brings me a hope. And yet our world kind of turns away from that. And I believe many times in my life I've... I've thought this is hopeless and then I have to turn again and say no but Christ is in me it's not hopeless because he's the hope of glory Romans 13 um, this is shocking isn't it I said in the first service if I do that I can read that you've got no chance you just look blur here we go Romans 15, 13 says, May God, the source of all hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you'll overflow with hope. God is the source of hope. You see, our world tells us that, we, that hope is a kind of flimsy feeling that things might work out okay. But scripture tells us that our hope is in Christ because of one thing, the cross. The empty cross shows us clearly that we have a hope in God who came upon earth, walked to Calvary, died, was buried, rose again, and will come again in full glory. That's why you and I have a hope. So in those times of difficulty, we can hold on to that hope, and we can hold on to the fact that God has called us by name. Have you ever thought about your name? My mum calls me Patrick. Okay, so when I send her flowers and things on, on the internet, you know, by flower people. I couldn't remember who I ordered them by then. What are they called? Florist, Interflora and that kind of stuff. Other brands are available. I have to remember that I'm not Pat, that I'm Patrick. I have to remember that. And my dad was called Pat. So I have to remember that, that I'm Patrick. So it's, you know, Patrick, Annie. Here's another one. My, my eldest, um, a few years ago, we got into a little bit of a tussle in our house for quite a while um, because she decided she was no longer Bethany. She was Beth. And so everyone in the world called her Beth except her dear father, who, who would frequently go, it's not Beth, it's Bethany. She'd go, it's Beth. I'd go, no, it's not. Check your birth certificate. And actually, I used to say, I gave you the name. It's Bethany. And even now, every now and then, I'm a little bit un- unkind because I go, Bethany Shannon Nesbitt. And that really all riles her. But names mean an awful lot to us, don't they? Well, we call God different names, don't we? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. 
Well, did you know there's a name for God that says Jehovah Shammah? It means God is with you. God is with you. Just take that in for a moment. God is with you. It says in Scripture, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's a truth. It's so true that God actually stands by it and his name, this is a name that I stand by. I will never leave you. I will be with you. And so in those times when we feel that the world is crashing in and our hope is somehow kind of ebbing away, we can turn around and we can say, no, because my God is with me. In Scripture, it says 85 times in New Testament, hope. And in the Old Testament, we're constantly told about having a hope, aren't we? And in Isaiah, it says, don't worry, do not be afraid, because I am your God. I will make you strong. I will help you. I will support you. That's a promise, isn't it? God's saying, don't be frightened, because I will make you strong. We can have a hope because our God speaks into our hearts and says, I promise that I'll make you strong. In Psalms, it says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you. I will watch over you. Have you ever been in a point where you think, oh, I just don't know where I'm going? Anyone? Or is that just me? <laughs> you know, we, we, we as a family are in just a real point now of saying, okay, Lord, open the door. You know, many of you know we, 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 we're hoping to go back into full-time stipendary ministry. That means a good possibility that God will move us. You know, we're saying, okay, God, what's that mean? You know, does that mean back up north? What does that mean for us as a family? Just direct and guide our paths. Please, Lord, direct and guide our paths. And that's a real truth, isn't it, that if we hold on to the fact that God is a God who directs us, then actually we have a hope. I love Lamentations here. It says, I have a hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They knew every morning. Have you ever woken up and thought, God's mercies are brand new today. God's love is brand new for me. Have you ever thought about that? Just lay in bed in the morning and thought, God, your mercies are so new for me today. Your love will abound for me today. And so I'm going to praise you. Or do we wake up and rush out of bed quickly in order to kind of get on with the day? If we start off by thinking, God, I know you love me, then we are filled with a hope and a reason because we know that God loves us because he's demonstrated upon the cross. One of my great verses here, it says, Romans 8, 28, and I love this verse. It's one of these verses that's highlighted so often in my Bible, and it's, it's kind of my verse that I just want to own and just say, Lord, may this be true. It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that first two words, those first two words, we know. It doesn't say we think. It doesn't say, oh, we think that God causes good or we kind of hope that he does or, well, there's a certainty there. It's a definitive article. It's saying, no, I know. 100% I know, and I have evidence, I know 100% that God causes all things to work out for good. Now, if you know that in your heart, that's going to fill you with hope, isn't it? That God will cause all things to work out for the good of his purpose. Sadly, it doesn't say God will cause everything to be nice and happy. 
But it does say God will cause all things to work out for his purpose. What that means is we hold on to the fact that in those times of difficulty, God will bring something out of it. In those times of turmoil, God will be there. But it's finding that hope in those times, isn't it? When we feel the waves are crashing over us, when we feel the intensity of of everything that's burdening us, we can say, God, I hold on to you. God, I hold on. You know, this week, um, we were really pressured, and everyone's running around school trying to do things, and there's a gentleman in our school who uh, just had a baby, and his wife's not very well, and things haven't turned out as well as it could have um, with the birth. And he came in, and through all the busyness, he's a Christian, and, you know, we've not had a kind of best of friendship relationships. It's a working relationship, but, you know, we're not best friends. But in all that situation, I just stopped in the busy staff room and said, I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to pray God's peace into your heart, pray God's blessing into your heart, and pray God will give you a hope. And with all the staff sat around watching us, you speak hope into it, don't you? You speak God's hope into it. And that's what we're called to do. You and I are called to bring a hope. And the reason we can bring the hope is because we have the hope. Because we know God personally. What I like is it says there, God causes all things to work for good. And you think, well, what does that actually mean? Then it says here, according to his purpose. And it's those who love him. And are called. God has a calling on your life. God has a purpose for your life. And because of that, he will never break his promise. If he says that he's going to do something in your life, then he will bring it to to a climatic end where it will come to fruition. Why? Because he doesn't break his promises. He doesn't sit there at the sideline and say, I promise you this, and then break his promise. And he says that all things will come out into his purpose for those who love him and are called If you love Jesus with all your heart, then let me tell you, he has called you by name. Scripturally, that's right, isn't it? Let's hang on to that. Let's hold on to that. God calls us by name. And because of that, we have a hope. I'd love to say that that story about the submarine had a kind of Hollywood-type ending, but unfortunately and sadly, the the submariners died in, in this submarine. They weren't able to rescue them. They had to call the rescue off. And as a result, the US Navy decided that they would never go through that situation again. And so they created um, like a a bubble. It was like a bell-shaped thing that they could send down to a submarine that was stuck at the bottom. And it would latch over the latch and equalize the pressure, and they'd be able to get the submariners out in future. And they they built this because they learned from from what happened. They said, we're never going to go through this again. And 12 years later, there was another submarine that had crashed, and it was lay on the bottom, and 33 submariners managed to get into a part of the submarine that, that was kind of safe. And over the next 12 hours, they used this, this um, chamber in order to rescue every single member of, in that submarine. You see, what they did is they took a desperately hopeless situation, and they found hope in it. And sometimes in our situations in life, we, we have to say to God, where are you in this? And God shows us and reveals something of himself to us. And actually, it brings to fruition God's glory and purpose. And it even says, doesn't it, Joseph says, you know, um, when he had all the difficulty in Scripture, it says, you know, God 
God wanted the good things in my life and the devil wanted the bad things, but God turned it into the good things. And maybe you're in a position right now where you're thinking, Pat, you don't know what I'm going through. But God does. In that verse, it says that what he watches over you. I was saying earlier on, and I was corrected, it isn't. I said earlier on, when you, when you babysit children and you sometimes kind of don't watch them all the time, and what I meant was your own children, and I was aiming it at men because sometimes Annie would have gone out when the children were little and I'd put CBeebies on. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, it's great. And you just leave the children there and you kind of go on and get on with something else. And somebody reminded me that actually looking after your children isn't babysitting, it's just looking after your children. But the reality is, is, is all your play pens, they were brilliant, weren't they? I tell you, <laughs> the number of times. You know, I love you dearly, just go sit in the play pen. <laughs> and so... The kind of children, children being there while you're doing something else isn't you being attentive, is it? But I, I don't think God's like that. God is like, for me, holding me, never letting go. I remember the first time I held Bethany and held Rebecca, man, just a, a bubbling of love that I can never, ever I'll never feel that overflowing in the same way as I looked at them. I think that's what God does when he watches over us. He looks at you and it just bubbles again. He just thinks with everything within him, I love you. That's why we have a hope. That's the hope that we have. A God who watches over us and holds on to us and never lets go. And in all those difficult times, we, we know God's with us. In Scripture, in Romans, it says beautifully here. Are you going to put it on there so it saves my glasses? There we go. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Oh, that first, first little bit there, you just put against all hope. You know, there are times when we look and we think, this is impossible. But against all hope, worldly hope, we have a godly hope. We have a godly hope. We have a hope in God. Because the cross speaks of a hope. And the Bible is so intertwined that it's about relationship and faith and hope. It's about having a relationship deeply embedded in God and having a faith that God will carry out the things he's promised us and then having a hope in that. Do you have that today with certainty? Because for me, I, I know sometimes... I, I, when I was coming here, I had an image of a library book and the fact that you have to go and renew the library book 
and you have to kind of stamp it. And almost what you're doing is you're saying to the, to the librarian, I want to commit to this book again. I want to read more of this. I want to, to take this book again into my possession. And I felt God say, Pat, are you willing to renew yourself again? To renew the things that I've promised in your life? To say, yes, I want that hope again in my life. Because when we renew ourselves in God, then God says, and he speaks into us, the things I've promised I will fulfill. You see, Abraham, I love the fact that Abraham didn't actually see the full fulfillment of the promise, did he? You know, he had children and stuff, but he didn't see the fullness of what would happen in the future. It's amazing, isn't it, that that sometimes God promises things in our world that actually aren't going to be fulfilled in my lifetime. They're not. And, and, you know, I've just got to hope and pray that the things that I'm doing now, the things that God's calling me to now, that actually bring about fullness and revival of the greater glory. We're sowing the seeds, aren't we? But whatever God's called you to, he will promise that he will never leave you. Why? Because we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's why. One of my favorite theologians of all time is a gentleman called uh, Maltman. And he says, Christianity is hope, forward-looking and forward-moving, and therefore also revolutionizing and transforming the present. See, because we have a hope in the future, because we have a hope of what's to come, we have a present now that God is changing and transforming. And we've got to allow him to do that in our lives. We've got to allow God to, to, to kind of come into what that situation is and break it and transform it. I remember being, I was saying earlier on, I went as a vicar. I was, we had family that were very close to us and I got a phone call one day and they said um, can you come to the hospital um, my niece's baby's just died so I, I kind of rushed to the hospital and I, I, what I didn't anticipate was just died, they'd phone me on the way from the, the flat to the hospital and so when I got in there um, all the family were there the extended family and it was it was very difficult. The, the, the young lady had rolled over in her sleep and smothered the child. And so the police were there because they were going to arrest her because it was um, a suspicious death. And so sat in the hospital hours after this situation had happened, speaking hope into people's lives and sharing God's love and saying things that actually just felt so empty but actually had so much truth in them is what we're called to do. And we can do that because we have a hope in God, because we have a faith in God, and because we have a relationship with God. And that's what you and I are called to hold on to in in those stormy waters, is the fact that God loves us. says in 1 Peter in God's great mercy he has called us and caused us to be born again into a living hope because Jesus Christ rose from the dead I do believe that today God wants to call us afresh into that living relationship with him and you know it might be that for some of us that means 
saying again, Lord, I want to renew myself afresh in you. It might be for some of us we're thinking, do you know, I'm struggling with this. And God's saying, I'm with you. And so what we've done is we've created a little space here as well. And I want to encourage you today in response to maybe come and kneel before the cross as a commitment, as a recommitment, saying to God, here I am. I really need you again. Because it's only when we come and we open ourselves and we say, Lord, we want to be born again afresh today. We want to be renewed afresh today in you that we find the anchor again. Shall we stand? I just want to encourage you to be still. And just open ourselves before God in whatever our situation is. Maybe 
you're anxious about something maybe to do with work or home and God says cast your anxieties upon me maybe you're saying Lord I'm not smart enough and God says I will give you wisdom says I will never leave you I will never forsake you and maybe you feel at this point just that you're not loved and you're, you're kind of not valued and God says look to the cross as a recommitment to, to God's purpose in your life. 